Welcome, fam. Episode 41 today. Uh, just quick recap. Last week, we had Lucas Giorgio in talking about, uh, talking about coffee, but also talking about jumping out of planes and setting world records. Uh, I just finished listening to that episode, and I thought it was awesome. Uh, so definitely check that out if you haven't. Uh, but today, we have a different thing going on. Uh, we've got a mate of ours, Sean Clarence. He's a bit of an old homeboy. I, uh, I'm, he's got a very interesting story. I'm going to get him to introduce himself in a sec. Uh, before that, I just wanted to let you guys know of a couple of things. We've got our mezzanine going up. Construction started this week. We're going to have a full-time jiu-jitsu program starting in the coming weeks. Let's say four to six weeks from now. Uh, so that's super excited. If you're excited about that and you want to know more about the training, get in touch. Uh, if you need anything else from us, junglebrothers.com is where to get it. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell a friend about it. And uh, thank you to the crew at Panavore for providing us with the coffee that we're drinking today. Uh, we got Sean Clarence in the house. Sean, welcome. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Coffee is excellent. Good, good. We take pride in the coffee. Uh, my bro, could you, uh, could you give us a little introduction as to who you are? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, Sean Clarence. I, um, I'm a father, three children. I have a stepdaughter who's 17 and a four and a two-year-old. So life's pretty hectic. Uh, I run two gyms in the Hills District of Sydney. A little far for you, Joey, but... Uh, Where the fuck's that, bro? Castle Hill and Dural. So I used uh, to play soccer out there. Did you? Yeah, I know it. It's a great spot. Kids were tough out that way. That's they all are. I remember. Very tough. <laughs> Very tough. It's a different world over there. Other side of the bridge. So, yeah, we run... Um, our gyms are called U version 2. Functional style um, fitness, I guess. That's it. That's, that's me. I spend my life uh, trying to get people fit and trying to change their lives and, and looking after my kids. Right on. Yeah. Three kids, two young ones and a 17-year-old, did you say? Yeah, yeah. So I've got the full spectrum. So I've gone through high school and I'm about to start primary school next year again. <laughs> so we go again. Right on, man. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, your gym, we, we've had a little bit of involvement with that in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually met through, uh, through a business coach, a mutual yep. business coach that we had. Yeah. Um, so I guess I've seen a little bit of your growth and you guys sort of coming up and you've had the second spot for, is it a couple of years now? No, no, it's 12 months uh, last ah. week. Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, Super yeah. fresh. Very fresh and still growing, but uh, it's, man, a second gym is challenging. So if you're thinking about it, just think properly about it. Right on. It's a struggle. Um, In terms of uh, just, the, like, what's the biggest struggle? I think the biggest struggle for us was that we, we had a really good opportunity to open the space that we had was perfect for what we wanted. But in terms of, like, uh, coaches and, and systems, we weren't quite ready for it. But it was just too good an opportunity to pass up. So we had to jump straight at it. And, uh, yeah, we've had to sort of learn on the fly, I guess, about, um, I mean, when you run a small business and certainly a gym, the gym is you and your own. Like me and Brent, we run the gym and everyone expects us to be there all the time. So opening up a new space where we had to sort of spread our resources a little bit becomes a bit challenging, I think. So, yeah, just think about hard if you want. But that mezzanine level looks pretty good. So I think you'd be good with that. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, I guess the thought was if we build another gym inside this gym, then we don't have to travel that far right, and the resources here. are here. That's yeah. it, yeah. Um, but that's cool. Yeah, I think we'll heed that advice because... It's definitely worth it. Like, it's awesome having a different area. It's about 20 minutes away from our current location, so we are getting some people that we definitely wouldn't get to our current gym. That's cool. And so, yeah, helping more people, and it's, and it's cool. They've got a really good vibe there. It's a, it's a little bit different of vibe. The space is set up differently. But um, yeah, it's still us and, and, and we, we still love it. You version two. You version two, mate. You just a different version of you. I like that. So you have a, um, you have a style about your, about your training, which we're going to go into. Yeah. Uh, and I think it kind of, it seems to be 
a part of the, the brand, like of your gym a little bit. There's a grittiness to it and a, um, and a bit of a no bullshit kind of thing going on. Yep. Can you tell us, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we, well, I guess what we like to call the way we train is um, we call it real world fitness. So we're trying to prepare people for the real world, like whatever life is going to throw at you and also give them freedom to do whatever they want in the real world. So we have a lot of members that love going hiking all the time. Um, we have members that do uh, mixed martial arts and, and go surfing and also a lot of parents, so people you know, dealing with kids and like it's, it's hard work. Like when you're, when you're two kilometres from your car and your kid doesn't want to walk anymore, you go throw on your shoulder and, and walk him to the car. So we, we try and just get people ready for the real world in terms of our... You know, strength conditioning is all, all based around the real world. real world. We do a lot of like sandbags, a lot of strongman stuff, a lot of odd object training. Uh, and I guess the, the, the sort of second piece to all that is we really try and hammer into our clients like uh, developing a mental resilience. I think it's important not only for training but for life. Like the truth is that a lot of shit happens in, in life that, that isn't ideal and isn't how you want it to be. And I think training is a really good tool to learn how to sort of navigate those, those tough times. How do you go about that in terms of, uh, it, do you incorporate it into the training or is it part of the dialogue? So it's, a lot, it's part of a lot of the content we deliver um, through our private groups and through emails and, and we hold like workshops and stuff. But we have certain days of training where we say like today's like a mental toughness session and the workout's not going to be fun or it's going to be super boring and you have to achieve a certain goal before you can tick off that you won or that you, that you finished. And... You know, we also, within those workouts, we will change the rules to the game, change the workout on the fly, make add extra, whatever. We we just try and replicate, like, things that can happen in, in real world, in the real world. So that's how we incorporate it. And, and then what we do is we do it, like, once or twice a week and we'll always post that night or the next day reflecting on this is why we did what we did and these are the lessons that we try to get you to learn from that particular workout. That's, that's really cool. That's a fucking cool yeah, idea. Yeah, that's huh? really cool. Um, and how do people take to that? <laughs> do you get some bad responses in the middle of the Oh, workout? yeah. Yeah, of course. But, I mean, truthfully, the people that don't respond well are the people that we spend more time with. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and we just sort of say, hey, like, is this showing up somewhere else in your life? Because you can't expect it to be perfect all the time. So your training's not going to be perfect and the workout we set's not going to be perfect. So we spend extra time talking to people like that and trying to make them see, like, the purpose behind it. Yeah, and I think if you, if you do spend time so explaining to someone like this is why we're doing it. it's not just we're just trying to kill you for the next hour we're actually there is a an intent to it I think if you if you take the time to do that they they generally I'd say ninety five percent of the people we do with respond really well yeah that's so cool yeah it's good uh, did you grow up were you born and bred in that zone Western Sydney. West. Is it Hills District you call? Yeah, the Hills yeah. District. I was not from the Hills District. That's oh, the, that's I'm is that the east when you're from the west? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was um, born and bred in Penrith, actually. So we're a little little tougher out there, a little <laughs> yeah. hotter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I grew up there, but my um, so the my wife now was living in the hills when I met her. Yes. And I just needed an excuse to get out of the west, mate. So <laughs> boom, I moved in as quick as possible and got out of there. Yeah, that's cool. cool. That's yeah. Cool. What about Brent? Your business partner. Brent is a Hills district. He's a Hills boy. Boy, through and through. It's Could a very insular area. Everyone knows everyone, so everyone knows Brent. Ah, yeah. uh, okay. Yep. I mean, not that I think you guys are the same, but you definitely both have a, a vibe. You have a Yeah, a we toughness. have a vibe. He's a, he's a little bit different. He, he does Softer? I wouldn't say that. He's, uh, <laughs> he's much better at jiu-jitsu than me, so <laughs> I'm not going to be saying that in public, but definitely. Um, 
Yeah, he's different to me. He has a different style, a different way he likes to train people. Uh, but I think together, uh, we mesh really well. Uh, the program's a real reflection of how we like to train. Yeah. And we'll go into a little bit further um, about my personal story and how that evolved. But it, it definitely is a reflection of the both of us. And, and now we have like more coaches coming in. And, you know, if you're going to work with us, you can't be completely different. Like you have to have some sort of similar mindset. And I think they're coming in and, and throwing in their flavor as well. And it's just it's helping us grow the program and grow the, uh, the gym in, in the direction that we really want it to go. Yes. Which is awesome. That's cool, man. Yeah, that's cool. Good for you guys. Mate, um, you've, uh, you've recently completed something that's pretty hectic and uh, I guess an experience that most people would not voluntarily put themselves through. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're wearing a t-shirt today. It says team no talent and then never rest under that. Can you tell us what, what that's all about? Yeah, so this is a long, long story. So glad you got your coffee, mate. Got Settle I'm in. ready for you. Settle in. So I think, look, never. Uh, so the Never Rest Challenge was something I completed a month ago. But the journey towards the Never Rest Challenge started about, about 18 months ago. And as I was saying just before, like the gym, the whole vibe of the gym is real world fitness and, and being ready for anything that life's going to throw at you. And it, the, truth, the truth is that I used to be like that, but there was a period of time, maybe for the last three years, that I, I fell off that wagon a lot myself personally. And so I felt really like I lacked my authenticity within the gym and like I, I felt like a fraud, to be honest with you. So, and a lot of people didn't know that. And I've spoke to a lot of people like since I've gone on this journey about what they thought of me back then, how am I different, et cetera, et cetera. And they definitely would agree that I was putting out this vibe, this persona of this person who was, you know, like to get uncomfortable, uh, did the work no matter what, never missed a day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I just wasn't that person. Uh, and so that was eating away at me slowly for years and years. And years. I just focused purely on powerlifting training because it was easy for me. Like I just lift, wait five minutes, lift again, no work, whatever. And I was just, I was, was not authentic to the, to the kind of training that we stood by and the person who I used to be. So that was eating away at me slowly. And then it all, it was coming to a head when we went to uh, a Spartan race with the, with the tribe, 21 kilometer beast, heaps of people would have done it before. I turned up to that thing just thinking I would cruise through. And I got 10 kilometers in and I quit. I, uh, I just stopped. And so I- uh, You with your gym crew. Yeah, with the gym crew, it's pretty embarrassing. Damn. But I did, fa- I did fake it pretty well that I was cramping. I was cramping pretty badly, but I bunged it on a little bit. But you knew you- you I quit. knew I quit. quit you. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I like to use the phrase like, if my kid's life was on the line, would I have got to the end? Like, of course I would have. Yeah. I wasn't. I quit. I tapped out. So that time I was waiting for them to come back, they had about another eight, nine K to go by the time I got into camp. And man, I, I remember sitting there just being so embarrassed about the situation I got myself in. I remember crying about the situation I was in because I just felt like I'd gotten so far from the person who I used to be and the person who I wanted to be. And so that was the catalyst for me to make some, some pretty big changes, not only in, in my life, but also in my training. And so then I started to go on this journey of like trying to get that back and trying to be more authentic and trying to be um, a lot mentally tougher. I remember, what, I remember listening to a podcast with David Goggins and, and most people should know who David Goggins is. And if, if you, you don't... Yeah, if you don't, go, go listen to one. Go listen to David Goggins for sure. And he was talking about these... Um, this whole other world that exists on the other side of hard work 
and on the other side of intense suffering and putting yourself in an uncomfortable position over and over again. And I just remember hearing that and I just wanted to know what that was. And he didn't really articulate what that was very well. And I just remember thinking, fuck, man, I, like, I need to find out what that is, what that's like to, to be mentally tough. Because I'd wanted to be mentally tough my whole life and I'd been faking it and I, and I wasn't that person. And so, yeah, so I started to go on that journey. And it all ties in with uh, coming back to the Neverest Challenge now. So my brother, my brother Greg and I, uh, we got together one day and, and our brother Nathan had cystic fibrosis. And if you've ever been with somebody who's had like a genetic condition, a, a life-altering condition, it's, it's tough, man. Like you feel really helpless. Like you're just watching them go through this thing and there's, like, there's nothing you can do about it. So we got to the point where we wanted to do something about it. And we sat him down and said, hey, we want to create an event where we get some donations to go towards finding a cure, but also raise some awareness. And he was you know, blown away by that, very excited. And I selfishly decided and said, said to them, I, I want to make it like a, uh, an endurance event, like something hard for 24 hours. And they're like, oh, are you sure like, you're willing to do that? I said, fuck yeah, I want to do that. So I was thinking, it's going to kill two birds with one stone. I'm going to raise some money and awareness for my brother, show him some support, but also it's going to force me into going on this journey where I have to change the person I am to be able to complete this very public event. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Can you uh, sip your water? What is, uh, what is cystic fibrosis? What does it do? Yeah, it's, a, it's a genetic condition that attacks. Essentially, I mean, there's a lot of different pathways. Essentially, essentially, it attacks the respiratory system. A lot of mucus builds up on the lungs and it just eventually sort of makes it very difficult to breathe. Right. Most people with CF have like a, somewhere between a, a 10 to 20% lung capacity of, an, of the average person. Yep. And that degenerates as they get older. So it's just hard for them to go through life. To do anything. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's hours of medication. He woke up every day and would jump on a nebulizer and take, you know, 60 tablets a day and nebulizer for hours at a time just to get through the day. Wow. Yeah, so it's pretty intense. And so once I decided to do this event, I went on the journey of, of training for it and becoming the kind of person that would be able to finish an event like that. And so the event was, uh, we had tw I put a 24-hour time cap on it. I had to do 10,000 push-ups. 1,500 pull-ups and a 42K run in 24-hour time cap. And I, um, I finished with four minutes to spare, so... Jesus. I had some time. But, yeah, that sort of... Between deciding what that event was and the finishing of that event, which is about a month ago, was about a 10-month period. And my life has changed in that 10 months. Uh, a lot. Right. A lot. a lot. I'm a completely different person now. In say. terms of what you, you put yourself through in that preparation and in doing the event. Yeah, so, so the... What went into training for that, the commitment and the um, dedication and the resilience and perseverance that is just required to turn up every single day and put in the hours and hours of training, repetitious, same thing over and over again to get yourself to a position where that's even a thing that's possible. Um, yeah, it, it just changes who you are. And then on the, on the day, we can talk about the event if you want, but on the actual day, there were three separate occasions where I, I genuinely thought that I couldn't take another step forward. And to overcome that three separate times um, in front of all my friends and family and a lot of other people as well, uh, we did it at Parramatta State or Bankwest Stadium, which was awesome. And to be able to do that there, um, yeah, it's just, you know, I, can f I feel what it's like on the other side of what Goggins was talking about, like on the other end of suffering. It, it has opened up a whole new outlook a whole new world for, for me, yeah, for sure. Wow. 
That's so that's so crazy. I I, th- I see I hear those numbers and I try to crunch some numbers. Mm-hmm. And I did see like how you had to batch them and there was a bit of a strategy going in. Yeah. But I I can't ever see myself doing something like that. Like straight up. That's that's so hard. So I think how did you you know, how did you stay motivated? Not just in the event, but like it seems ha- impossible. It does. Right? It seems yeah. like to do like how many how many pull ups is that per minute? What's that work out to? I'm not sure. It's about one a minute. It's about seven push-ups a minute seven push seven seven push-ups a minute for 24 hours yeah so i'm like how the fuck do you do that and run 42 kilometers and do all the pull-ups yeah and and obviously you you must have thought that as well at some point like this is this is seemingly impossible yeah i wanted i wanted the event to sound tough because i wanted people to pay attention yeah and that would raise more awareness for us for cf and for um and to raise some more money and yeah, it was tough. Like, it, it, it did feel impossible. And, and I think I naively thought it felt impossible when we first said it because I hadn't trained for it at all. But as I got deeper into the training, it became more obvious that it was a lot harder than I thought it was. And, you know, if I could have, I would have changed the numbers, but we'd already put it out <laughs> so many times it was too late. So it was, that was the numbers. Did, did you birth the Never Rest Challenge? My brother yeah. came up with a name, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And you ca- – yeah, so you – you you made the numbers and yeah we we it. it's completely made up completely yeah. made up so the next okay. one it will be made up as well but yeah it, it was tough we, we we had a lot of plans going into it um, I was going to do fifteen push ups a minute and two pull ups or three pull ups a minute for you know two three hours at a time run five ten five seven k have a rest etc 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 and just repeat that but yeah it, it it got tough towards the end we uh we had to change the plans as we went along on the fly there wasn't as much rest as i wanted there to be because i was struggling to maintain 15 push-ups a minute yeah but the truth is like for training i did i did 170,000 push-ups in 10 months to train for it so wow. I, I was as ready as i could be yeah and then it became a, a, a thing on the day where it's just it was that mental toughness i was seeking it was my body will keep doing this if if my mind allows it to yeah yeah if i can find something a little bit extra if i can find the will to continue to just do rep after rep after rep my body will do that it's ready for it it's it's trained and it's it's just a matter of willing it to do, to get it done yeah can you uh, how about like uh for me i the training up towards it mm-hmm. i kind of do you what was harder the event itself or the training towards it because i see like you know on the actual event you know it's it's showtime. You've got the whole day. Everyone's there, and somewhat that there's a there's an accountability. You have to perform, so maybe there's that extra push. Mm-hmm. But say ten months out, when you need to get up every day and do. And I remember seeing some of your posts. It was like the boring training, and it was so repetitive. Can you can you talk about like was that was that harder in in a sense on because you've got like days to kind of tap out. Yeah, it was it. it was hard. The, the hardest part was the last three months leading into the event. Because I'd done seven, six, seven months training. I was yeah. at that point, at the very start, I'm excited about the event. You know, I'm, I'm taking this journey to become a different person. I'm taking this journey to complete an event that is seemingly impossible. And it's exciting. Mm. So a, a part of the story that's important about sort of that question is uh, in January. So this is in November last year. In January mm. this year, my brother passed away, uh, which, was, uh, which was hard. It was like obviously the toughest thing I've ever gone through. We were just so close me and my brother Mm. and so to go through that was was horrible but it's sort of after the initial like shock and and sort of grief that I was going through maybe a couple of weeks after it sort of 
reinvigorated my want to do the challenge and it made it even more real for me because like we're doing this because we want to raise awareness for cystic fibrosis and the truth is that it kills people and it took the life of my brother whilst I was training for the challenge so it's real yeah and it became more important to me and it, it sort of concreted my, the reason that I'm doing it and the whole why around it just got a lot bigger yeah and so then I had another spurt of energy for the next few months but then the last three months before the event the volume was way up like i'd just been slowly building up the volume the whole time mm. it was three four hour sessions um yeah, somewhere between three and four hours five days a week and the other two days were like one or two hour sessions every single day like no matter what's on in my life no matter what the kids have to do no matter what work i've got on that training has to happen or i'm not going to be ready yeah. and then the last maybe six weeks before i did the event i did a test night where i did overnight and a saturday night i wanted to train it like in the middle of the night and see how that felt. And I did 4,000 push-ups, 600 pull-ups. I didn't do any running. I just did it from like nine till three in the morning. And that like scared the shit out of me because I, I realized how hard it was. Yeah. And I remember being in the shower uh, after I did that at about 4 a.m. and I couldn't turn the taps. Like my body was shutting down. I was cramping in my lats, my biceps. And I thought, how the fuck am I going to do 6,000 more and run a marathon and do 900 more pull-ups? Like I just, I just felt panic. Yep. in the shower and I couldn't get out of the fucking shower which was a nightmare um, <laughs> so that that last sort of eight to uh, six weeks training was it was tough to get motivated because I thought I'm not ready this event's huge I'm going to embarrass myself and uh, and the volumes got bigger again yeah and so yeah that last six was hard that last six weeks was the toughest but the uh, the actual day yeah it presented its own challenges and, and I think that's you know that, that's where I learned my most lessons, actually, was was during the actual challenge. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so that was awesome. So, I, sorry, just, uh, like on motivation again, mm -hmm. like uh, on a day-to-day -day or say uh, just at a point where you've hit the threshold and you've stopped, mm -hmm. did you have tactics or did you have some training towards it? Was there something that you visualised? Obviously, big motivation was your brother and stuff. Was it like what did you use or was it just something that you just dig deep and... It wasn't that articulate. Like. Well, when, when, when Nath passed away, it got a lot easier. And up until then, it was only the first three months. It was pretty easy, the training anyway. Like, it was pretty yeah. consistent. But it was, like I said, I was excited about being on this new journey. But after Nath passed away, the, the motivation was easy. Like, every time I would struggle, mm. I just... We conveniently, about six weeks before he passed, we put... Um, my other brother got my whole family to put their top ten songs on Spotify on a playlist. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. top ten songs of all time. And then he passes away and then so that's my playlist like every time i'm training yeah. so motivation is quite easy when i think about that uh or sorry when i put that music on and i think about why i'm doing it and i think about all the times that he struggled in life like the fact that he went to through two or three hours of medication every day just to fucking walk down the hall mm. it, it became my problem seemed a lot simpler yeah. and a lot smaller than that and, and i was more than willing to sacrifice myself and to suffer in that cause uh, I definitely couldn't have done what he did and it was just sort of my way of like a little, like honouring him a little bit. And so I was okay with the suffering. The motivate, the, the, more, the hardest thing was just the repetition of it. Yeah. Not the actual, I'm going to go train for four hours. It's, I'm going to go train for four hours and do fucking push-ups again. <laughs> do the same shit. The same thing over yeah. and over again. And that, that, was, that was the mind fuck, I think, yeah. Did you, on the, on the preparation, did you seek any advice or coaching on how to prep for it? Or did you just look at it and go, I'm just going to gradually increase the volume and do heaps of work? Yeah, I, I did, but I didn't get any help. So <laughs> I yeah, reached right. out to a few people and 
No one came back. No one came back. You didn't text me, did you? I didn't. Okay, I was going to say. No, sometimes sometimes I forget to get back to things. But I think (laughs) I would have responded to that. No, there's a few people that have done lots of push-ups before. Uh, To my knowledge, no one's ever done an event that had all three of those things in it. Yep. But I wanted to see, like, there's a few people who've done, like, some serious amount of push-ups in a day before, like world record holders. I'm not sure what the world record is. I think it's 30 or 40,000 in a day. So I reached out to that guy. He didn't get back to me. Uh, I reached out to a few guys who would set the pull-up record. They didn't get back to me. They're protective of their records. I guess so. They don't yeah. want it taken, yeah. But um, so, yeah, so essentially I just put my, my trainer's hat on and just started at a really low base, something I could definitely do week one and just added 10% volume until I felt like I couldn't do any more. And then I would um, have a week off. When a week off, I mean I'd drop the volume right back to 50%. Yep. And then I'd start again at that base level, but I'd add maybe, so for example, I might start at, uh, I've got to do 3,000 push-ups this week. I'd build up to maybe 5,000, 10% each week. Feel like I can't do any more than that. Like that's my limit at the moment for a week. So then I would have a week off, drop the volume down to 1,000 for the week. Start again. Instead of starting at 3,000, I'd start at 3,500. And then I'd just build 10% again, get to my cap, have yep. a week off, start again. And I just repeated that over and over again. Wow. So it's not really scientific. Yeah. A lot of what I do is not scientific yet. Uh, yes. I, I learned pretty early on in, cha- in cha- training for the challenge that it was not going to be physical. Like if I just got the reps in, it, there's no, to me, there wasn't any science that's going to help me with it. It's I've just got to get the volume in. I've got to do so many push-ups and pull-ups that I can do it when I'm sleeping. Yeah. And then it was all about the, the actual training for me was if I set my alarm for 4am, I've just got to get up at 4am and, and walk into my gym at home and start training. That was the training. Because if I can overcome those little things, those little um, pieces of me wanting to give up or not wanting to start or, or any sort of mental stress around that, if I could overcome that, then the event, that's what's going to present the problem for me on the, on the day is the mental problem. So I just, as much as possible, tick those boxes. What is it, um, I know Dave Goggins has mentioned it before. And David Goggins, just to give a bit of context for anyone that may not know him, He's, uh, it was a Joe Rogan podcast or Tim Ferriss that kind of popularized him. I'm pretty sure it's Joe Rogan, yeah. Yeah, and he's a, uh, he was in the military. Yeah. And he's, he's, what would you say, he's an endurance guy. He's an endurance guy. He did, he's the only person to complete three hell weeks in the Navy SEALs, some sort of other um, naval army officer training, a lot of different things. And since then he does uh, endurance events, so. And he, but he came from like being 150 pounds sitting on the couch. Yeah, being, well, being yeah. a huge guy, lazy. kilos, I think. Ah, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah he's 300 yeah. pounds he was, yeah. 300 yeah. pounds, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's got an awesome story. And he's really, in his own way, he's really articulate around uh, describing it. And he's a really motivational guy. You and obviously, like it connects a lot with you. Yeah, I love it. I love the way yeah. he talks. I love everything about it. He swears a lot. He swears a lot. <laughs> he swears <laughs> a lot. He's got a, he's got a good vibe. I, I wanted to ask, like, because when I, when I listen to him... Uh, when I listen to his story, mm-hmm. which is which is really not dissimilar to yours, in terms of um, obviously the motivation and the, or the life circumstances are different, but he he was talking about you know I was overweight and I was like a lazy piece of shit and I couldn't do anything, and uh, and then I just decided like fuck that, yeah. and then he like flicked a switch and he became incredibly disciplined. Uh, I don't know if you'd call it motivated, but just very driven. Uh, and it, it, you're saying the same thing. You're like, I was, you know, I was a bit of a fraud for this period, and I'd fallen off the wagon. And and obviously, you had you had your brother passing away, and you had some things that were big external sort of forces in your life. But it seems like you just flicked a switch as well and yep. went, "Fuck it, now I'm this." 
And I think for someone listening to it, it's, it's very abstract because it's like, how do, you, how do you just decide to be very mentally strong and extremely driven all of a sudden? Yeah. Can you talk on that a little bit? Well, I think for, it, I had presented to the world that I was already that. And I think I was doing that because that's the person who I wanted to be. But I just knew in my heart that I wasn't that. So I already had the sort of inclination to want to be someone like that. Um, and then, you know, like I said, I, I felt like a fraud. But then the Spartan race where I failed publicly in front of my gym members, that was the, that was the day that I went, fuck, this is horrible. Like, these people look up to me as somebody who's tough and strong and, and will go through bloody a fucking brick wall to get this done. And I've just pulled out of a 21K, like, fun walk. Like, it's fucking dog shit. And that was the switch for me. So it, it isn't anymore, like, uh, there's no... I don't, I don't know how to describe it other than... It was just a real overwhelming feeling in that moment that I hate the person that I am right now and I hate myself enough to want to go on like whatever it takes to not be that person anymore, I'm willing to do at the moment. I think I think that's the same for everyone. We talk to members at the gym all the time. Like you'll, you'll make a change in a habit when you're ready to make it. Like when you've decided that the way you're living now is uh, so not in line with who you really want to be and, and, and you'll you'll maintain that for a while but there'll become a point where you're so fed up with how you are that, that you'll, you'll flip over to the way you should be. You can't make people do things they don't want to do. And it was the same with me. Like, as much as I wanted to be tough and hard, I just didn't want it enough. And I think it was that public embarrassment for me that, that particular day that was the, 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 the switch that went, this is enough. That's enough. I've had enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what it takes to, to become the person that I actually want to be. Wow. That's, that's it. Uh, about the running... Yeah. It, you done running before? Like, no. it, it never did a marathon before. <laughs> you don't look like a runner. No, no. <laughs> that's right. No, I'm not a runner. So, so yeah. I hate running. So, prior to like the challenge, um, what was the longest run you'd done? Was it like actually? So, yeah, it's a funny. It's a f- running from none. the cops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I didn't do any running. And then I started training for running when I knew I was going to do the marathon uh, as part of the challenge. Yeah. But then I fell off running. I, I just. I, as much as I tried to be someone different, like I just went, fuck, I hate running, so I'm going to stop running for, for a while. And so I did a few months of just training um, push-ups and pull-ups, no running. And then my brother passed away, and then literally like two days after he passed away, I saw an event for cystic fibrosis, fun run uh, around the, the bay at um, the Bay Run. Jermoyne, yep. yep. And uh, I went and did, the, I did a marathon like three days later on no training. And oh, I, wow. Yeah. So you went and did that fun run. Yeah, I did that. I, fe- I, I felt such in a, you know, people handle grief a lot like differently, but I felt so dark the way I was feeling and I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like, feel like I was handling it very well. And, you know, I've got a family and kids. Like it's, it's just difficult when you're going through something like that to, to, have a norm, to live normal life and I just needed to get something out of me. So as soon as I saw that event... I went, I'm going to fucking just run this marathon. I don't care how much it hurts. It doesn't, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to turn up. And I'm going to run six laps of that bay. And I did it. And I just remember finishing it. And I just outpouring of emotion. And I felt better. Now, I wasn't over my brother passing away. But I just felt like the darkness had gone out of me in that particular moment. So I'm glad I did it. But that's the only time I did running. So I did 42K run then. You did a marathon to prepare for a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then I slowly incorporated a bit more running into my training when yeah. I realized it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. That's funny you mentioned the Bay Run. That's probably the further, the longest run I've ever done in one go. 
Yeah. Just about with the one lap. Yeah. It's like seven point two Ks or something like that. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice marathon. Like it's it's picturesque. Yeah, yeah, it's so nice. If you're gonna run a marathon, it's not a bad one. Yeah. It's funny like what you say about um like watching watching your your brother kind of get sicker and sicker over time and, and knowing there's there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And uh yeah, I was just thinking like yeah, you feel helpless somewhat and you know that this is the fate though. You kind of know what, what it's going to be like and, and then having like something physical to express, you know, something uh, that you can do, feel like you can do and I can see how that totally makes sense. Yeah. You know, feeling so helpless and being so physical and it made sense for you to, to do something like this for him. And yeah, absolutely. Really cool. he, and he, you know, like I said, he, he suffered every single day and I just needed to... As much as you say to him, hey, man, like, I see what you're going through. If you need anything, like, I'm, I'm literally right here. Like, anything I can do for you, you can't do anything yeah, for him, you know. Yeah. So I, I needed to be – I wanted it to be public and I wanted it to be a huge event. And as much as I wanted it to be about CF and, and, and raising some money, I wanted it to be about him. Like, I wanted it to be my nod to him and say, hey, man, I see what you're going through for the last 40 years mm. and I'm willing to give up 10 months. It's, it's only a fraction of what you've done. But I'm willing to give up 10 months of my life of just putting all my energy into this one event and make it as big and as hard and as like earn as, get as much money, as much coverage as we can, just just to say thank you to you, to, to everything he's done to... I mean, when he was born, he wasn't meant to see his teens. And so for him to battle through to the age of 40, he was never meant to have kids. He's got two kids. Hmm. Like, you know, that wasn't easy. No, nah, it's not no, easy, yeah. man. And he suffered every single day and he did that only because he wanted to hang out with his family and friends. He didn't care about material things or anything like that. He literally just wanted time with people. And so it was just my way of, of just, I guess, saying thank you, I guess. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Really cool that the NRL came on board. How did that happen? I've got a friend, Aaron Warburton. So if you're listening, Warbo, shout out to you. He knows everyone. Uh, so if you need anything done... I'll give anything, you, anything, anything, <laughs> anything. I'll give you Warbo's number. But uh, yeah, he he know he knew a guy from Souths, uh, and Souths' major sponsor is Sutton's Motors. Yeah, yeah. And they have an affiliation with Cystic Fibrosis already, because I think one of the guys there, he's um, his daughter has CF. So they were more than happy to get on board. Sutton's were happy for us to jump on board, even though we're sort of a different. Like we're not, they, they do some stuff through CF New South Wales. We were doing some stuff through CF Australia, but they were more than happy for us to jump on board and take their game day sponsorship. So I was able to, you know, stand around. Like we had people at all the gates collecting money. I got out on the field. The South guys wore um, CF socks for an NRL match, which is like, cool. It's pretty awesome when That's you think huge. about how tough that is to, to, go, to get all the boxes ticked to, for that to happen. So uh, they were right on board with it. And then we, so I started the challenge there. I ran to Bankwest Stadium and I finished the whole challenge there and Para let me on the field at halftime as well. And it was, it was a pretty sick day. So NRL was very, very helpful and Mad. I'll be knocking on their door again next year. Hopefully get some more favours. How much did you raise in the end? We've raised 35,000 okay, so awesome. far. Unreal. Um, but we've got a few more things coming up in the next, just before Christmas to raise a bit more money and then we're going to donate the money. Yep. And then we're going to start again for next year. You're doing another event? Yep. Yeah, I'll be doing another event. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Any ideas? Yeah, I've got some cool ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to hear them? Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is a world exclusive. <laughs> you heard it first. <laughs> You've got to uh, stick to these numbers, whatever you say now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's why I don't like saying it out loud because I, I have spoke to a few friends about it. But So have you heard of, there's something called the Seven Summit Climb. 
Have you heard of that? No. It's like hikers do it to... Um, I'm not going to go hiking, so I just put that at the start. But uh, they do the, the highest seven climbs on each continent around the world. Ah, yes. And there's sometimes a competition to get it done the quickest. Or, but it's just a, a thing that you can tick off that you did in your lifetime if, if you like hiking. So one of them is Mount Everest. Mount Everest is obviously the tallest one. And there's one on each continent that people do. I'm at the moment thinking about how to make it work in with my life where I'll do the equivalent height on a box, like a, a step-ups. So I'll do like the, sh the lowest one on one week and then the next highest one the next week, building it up to the last one, which will be Everest. And I'll try and do it with a pack on, like a weight. And I'll try and do it in one day, 24 hours, which will be 17,500 That's the Everest one. That's a 17,500 step-ups, yeah. Oh, fuck. In a day. In a day. The other, all of them in a day? As in, ah. like, but that last one. That last one will be in a day, hours. yeah. And hopefully in seven weeks, so under 50 days. Wow, man. Yeah, that's, that's the plan at the moment. That's cool. So you, you do the equivalent of Everest in one day at the end? On of, a box. On a box, yeah, which yeah. It's a 20-inch box. Uh, it's, it's around 17,500 step-ups, so it's around 13 a minute. Damn. Bro, which that's is a lot. cool. Yeah. And my legs need a workout, bro. My, <laughs> my body's gassed. I need, I need a rest. So that's, that's the idea at the moment. Okay. And that'll be the day. The event, other things will happen leading up to that. And that'll be the big one. And hopefully we can do it somewhere cool where a lot of people can come watch and get some sponsorship. Awesome. That's the plan. Oh, wow. Yeah. You heard it first here. You heard it first here. And if I don't do that, we can just delete this one out, yeah? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Non-released episode. Yeah. Man, um, tell me about uh, Team No Talent. Um, this, is a, this is a thing that I see you push on your Instagram. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, uh, it, it, it has a particular flavor to it. What is Team No Talent? Uh, what flavor do you think it has to it? It has a... I uh, love it, all of it. I, I love it. all of it. Has a, it, has like a, it has like a fuck you to it. Mm -hmm. I, it well, maybe because of how, what I know of you. Yeah. It, it's like sticking a finger up a little bit to like... Um, the posy side of exercise and fitness. Yeah. Um, you know, I may have posted a handstand photo a couple of times on my Instagram. I feel like it's like, fuck all that. And oh, it's right. like, you know, not, I don't take it personally, right? Yeah. I think it's awesome. It, but it's like, um, it's like, it, 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 there's something hard. It says something about hard work. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how I, that's the flavor I yeah, taste. Cool. No, I think, I think a lot of people, I think, get caught up this is a tangent, but a lot of people get caught up in like the fancy part of fitness at the moment. The things that look cool, the things that look great on the, on Instagram and what's going to get you a really good photo. And I just, I just not down with that at all. Uh, so team no talent is, is something that just sort of straight up, not down with it at all. Not even a little bit, man. Yeah. I just yeah, feel no, like, I, I mean, if you can do that and that's awesome, but yeah. it's not, not for me. Um, I get a lot more, the way I train and the way I like to train people, I feel like they get a lot more practical, uh, use out of what we do not only physically but mentally you know the, men the mental side of training is so undervalued in my opinion mm. the lessons that you learn in a gym where there's no danger there's like you know other than maybe getting an injury but hopefully your coach is looking after you there you know the stakes are so low and nothing can really go wrong but you can learn things that when you're in the real world and the stakes are high and shit happens in life like your brother passes away or like someone you know gets diagnosed with something you, you wish they didn't or when you lose your job or... And you can use the lessons that in a gym and execute that in the real world, I think is so undervalued. 
And so that's why, that's the tangent, that's why I don't like fucking fancy shit. But um, the, the team of talent started in the gym because, you know, when you talk to a lot of a group of people over and over again, you hear, you start hearing trends. And the trend is like, oh, I can't do that because I'm not good enough. I can't do that because I was never good at that. And I just kept sort of saying, like, you don't need fucking talent to do this. This is not a talented thing. Like, you just need to fucking turn up and do the work. And, you know, there's so many people that put obstacles in our gym. They used to in our gym, but in just in, in the world that I think put obstacles in their way about, you know, stories they've made up about themselves or stories they've made up about what, you know, they see someone with something and therefore they must be talented or they must have been given it to them. And they use it as a crutch, like as an excuse as to why they can't have what they want. And Team No Talent is just like a hashtag I use about like saying, fuck that, like whatever you want, like it doesn't take talent to work hard. It doesn't take talent to put time into something or to be resilient or to be, you know, persistent or persevere or to show grit. Like all these things don't require talent. They just require you fucking doing it over and over and over again. And so the message behind it is just, you know, whatever you want, don't have a fucking excuse as to why you can't have it. Just fuck talent and just put the work in. And, and, and hopefully that gets you to where you want to be. And if it doesn't, you'll be a fucking better person at the end of it anyway. That's, that's team no talent. I like it. That Hashtag. makes sense. That fits, it fits exactly what I, what I see. Yeah. In it, you know? <clears throat> do you think, um, do you believe in talent? Like, do you think talent exists? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, you use the, 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 uh, end of the spectrum examples like someone like Usain Bolt like I'm never going to run 100 in 9.5 he had the talent to do that he obviously had to work for it and once like he was born to run that fast but then he has to put the work in and he gets there but not everyone can do that so talent exists uh, I've seen it uh, I played very high level cricket and I've seen some guys that put no work in and just are super talented they move their feet well they hit the ball really cleanly they just move like they're a cricketer even though they've never really put any effort in so talent definitely exists, uh, but but people use it as an excuse either if they've got it to not work hard because they've already got it, or if they don't have it to why they shouldn't work hard because they'll never have it. So that's where I think uh, if you have a really good work ethic and if you really want something and you're willing to, to do the little things that you can control, like your effort and like resilience, that, you know, it doesn't matter about talent. I don't think. I like it. I, I really love it. I've always, I think that's the sickest little thing in it. and in a way people have those narratives and it kind of gives them another narrative. Yeah. It's like, I, at least they could admit it and say to themselves, I've got no talent, but I'm showing up and I'm doing it. I'm showing thing. up, that's it. Man. I, I, there's lots of things yeah. that I'm not good at, but I'm yeah. like, I'll, I'm happy to put the work in and something that I'm committed to, like I'll outwork anybody at it, even if they're better than me, I'll put more work in yeah. and I'll show up every single yeah. day. We have workouts at the gym where people are better than me at. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I fucking beat the coach. And I'm like, yeah, cool, but I'll be here tomorrow. So yes. if you're sore tomorrow, I'll still be here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And they turn up and I'm, yeah, but I'm here tomorrow again. Yeah. So if you're sore, I'm still going to be here. If you're, <laughs> if, if you're sick, I'm going to be here. Yeah. And so. Well, I mean, what is talent anyway? Like talent, like when, in the case of Usain Bolt, um, he has some physical attributes that, you know, lots of people don't have that has definitely got him to where he is and yeah he had to work for it too but then there's talent not just physical talent but um and i'm reverting to you joe because it made me think you said the handstand thing if i think back so many years not that many years ago i would say that you were not talented in the handstand realm remember oh yeah at totally. all and yeah. and i remember you were starting to do handstands and I could just do handstands. I used to walk the basketball court at school and stuff like that. Yeah. So we'd go to Karawang and we'd be playing around and I could just do handstands 
and you were struggling to kick up for one second in a banana handstand. Do you yep. remember those days? Yeah, yeah. Can't, yeah, I totally remember not being able to do them. Yeah. And, and you having, and me just having a seemingly yeah. natural ability. Meanwhile, uh, Joe's talent, you know, he's persistent, he's consistent. And these are the things that, you know, I've come to be inspired by from him. Um, he just started and then kept going. And in a sense, it was the same sort of thing. Showed up, you did the work. And then before I know it, this guy's got these pencil straight handstands and I'm still doing the bananaries. Um, so that's Truth. kind of, yeah, that's like, I mean, talent is not just physical talent. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, it could be those attributes there that, and yeah. then it, it aligns with the physical stuff because you, you catch up. Yeah, you it's, catch a up a classic, you're up. it's a classic example of somebody who obviously wasn't naturally good at doing a handstand and just turned up every day and didn't give a fuck that he wasn't good yeah. and just grinded his way to being good at it. It's, it's possible for anyone to do that in anything. Um, but a lot of people just aren't willing to show up for long enough to get better, you know? They, they, they try something for a few weeks or a few months and they give in. Like some, I don't know how long ago that was, Joey, but I'm imagining how, what sort of period of time we're talking there. That was, well, I've been, I think I've been doing, doing handstands for like four years, it's four five years. years. Five years, and man. Five years. So it would have been like probably when I was, yeah, about 30 something, five years ago. It's a long time. Yeah. There's a lot of work that's gone into that. This yeah. is not overnight. People see your Instagram and go, oh, this guy can do a handstand. That's right, yeah. yeah. But they didn't see the five years ago that, like, that you couldn't do one. So People say that. They say, hey, was Joe a gymnast? That's what they <laughs> yeah. say, I remember. Like, he was in the ring doing handstands. Long time, like, I no. think. Was I a gymnast? <laughs> 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 no, I, had a, I put a post up the other day on my Instagram talking about how I, uh, for the last couple of years, I've done like, two to three days of strength training and two days of jiu-jitsu a week. Mm -hmm. And then I had a mate of mine comment and was like, dude, that fucking blows me away. Like, um, I, it, does, it doesn't seem like a lot. Like, it, it, you know? And I was like, yeah, it's not a lot. But I'm like, man, I've done jiu-jitsu for 11 years. Yeah. I'm like, I've put a, like a third of my life towards it. That's right. Almost, you know? Yeah. And it's like, when you think about that, you know, and it's the same with I see what you do. You kind of preach this with your training. It's not... Like your workouts, uh, I like how you post what you do in your workouts and how simple they are. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you pick one exercise, sometimes you pick three yep. and you just do like whatever, five or ten, you know, half a dozen sets of each yep. and it's done. Yep. Um, but it's like you do that like every week mm -hmm. and, you, and, and that sort of compounding of just that consistent work is what equals the results. That's right. But most people aren't prepared to... It's almost like we can't, we can't perceive of compounding. Mm -hmm. Like we can't, um, I remember the first time I was shown a compounding interest calculator yeah. when uh, like three years ago when Coach Allen showed me how bank accounts work or like how interest works. And I was like, I'm not talented with money. I don't want to fucking look at this. He's like, let me just show you. And he, you know, you look at a compound interest calculator and you're like, fuck, my money can do that in like a bank account. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it blew me away. And, and then I've heard people refer to it that we can't, because of how our brains work, we just can't perceive of compounding results. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the same with training. People are like, but I don't get, like, what do you mean I don't have to do six days a week? Yeah. Or I don't have to, you know, it's like, no, you just do this thing consistently for a long period of time. That's it, man. You just, uh, as much as possible, I try and tell our, our members to just focus on this week, just this week. Just nail this week. And then next week, we'll just nail that week. And every single week, we'll just nail that one day, that one week. And eventually you're going to look up and go, fucking hell, I'm, I'm way better than I was. And that, and that happens all the time. But if you focus on the end all the time, you're not going to be there like straight away. And so you lose sort of faith in, 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 in the process. 
And for me, the process with training and with um, a, a lot of things to do with that is, is all about just the process is the day. Like the only workout that matters is the one I'm about to do. And it's just every single day, all I focus on is that one workout, that one thing, making sure I turn up, making sure I give it the effort and the intensity that I need to, and, and it's done. And, and you look up after doing that for five, six, seven years, and you go, I've come a long way from where I was. And even, even so much in like a simple example of the push-ups, like to do 10,000 push-ups in a day, like you think it's impossible, right? But if, if you did 2,000 this week and then 2,200 next week, and you just did that over and over again, like you would do 10,000 a day. It's just about if you f keep focusing on the number 10,000, it's too hard. You just got to focus yeah, on the number yeah. for the week and just break it into small little things. And, and yeah, I think your ability to be short-sighted is, is very helpful in training, in my opinion. Your ability to look at just this, this one thing that I'm doing now over and over again it can, can set you up for, for a lot of success long-term. I really love the things you're saying. Um, and yeah, I, I admire your, your energy and, and what you're bringing forward now. Um, I wanted to ask, like, were you always like this or when you were developing, you played cricket at a high level? Yeah. Um, how did you come to have this, this sort of energy that you have now? Or is this something that's happened in the last year since you've been through this big thing? What were the influences you reckon? Was it like your parents or was it like a, a mentor you had when you were young or you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. My, I mean, my dad was... My dad was the kind of dad that sort of instilled in me that never to take a backward step with anyone, you know, that no one's better than you at anything, that you could stand your ground. Good Penrith dad. Good Penrith dad, yeah. Not, <laughs> yeah. not in an aggressive, violent way, but just, yeah. you know, don't, um, don't, like, uh, don't get caught up in th people thinking that people are better than you all the time. Yeah. You know, you've got a lot to offer and, and you've got some good skills in what you do and, you know, you've got a lot of worth. So just like fucking stand your ground and be proud of who you are. And, and he still instilled that through me, into me, sorry, when I was quite young. And that carried through my whole, my whole life. And I was very, like I said, I was a good cricketer, but I was, I played above my, my talent. There you go, classic example. Yeah. I was very aggressive on the field. I was in people's faces. I wanted to play you and not the game. You know, Mad. I wanted to get inside your mind and make you think about me and not make you think about the fact that you should be bowling in this area. I want you to bowl where I want you to bowl. You batter or bowler? I was more of a batter, but yeah, you seem like a I batter. would work on it when I, <laughs> when I was uh, like when I was fielding and you were batting next. Like I would work on batters as they come in, knowing that they're going to bowl to me later and get in their mind. Yeah, a lot yeah, of people man. didn't like that because well, like, like you sledge talk shit. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that. It's part a of the game. It's part of the game, and I, mm. I never got personal, but I wanted to. I wanted to have an edge. I wanted them to be thinking about me and not thinking about the game anymore. And so a lot of players I played with didn't want to do that because like man, you don't sledge in the first innings. Like if we're fielding. And they're batting. You don't sledge because then you're going to go out and bat, and it's going to be eleven on one. I said, "Fucking good! Like eleven on one's good for me." Yeah, <laughs> because, you like those odds. Yeah, I, I, I don't like those odds, but like you, the only person to get me out is the bowler. Yeah. He's bowling to me, so I'm just going to play him. And if everyone else, like I'm, I don't care about that shit. Now you're in all their heads. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. If they're again, if they're worried about me, they're not worried about the game we're playing. And I played above my level because of that attitude. I had that all the time. Mad. And uh, that went through my whole life with me. Uh, and then, yeah, I did lose it for that little period, but to get it back and to be where I am now, like, oh man, I can't even describe, I can't describe to you, if, if, if you did this challenge and you went through something similar like that, mm -hmm. the level of self-confidence and self-belief you have is just, man, it's hard to describe. It's really hard to describe. Like it would solve world, fucking we'd have world peace, I think, if everyone did a challenge like that. Like, Holy it's just, shit. It's crazy. It's crazy because you just have this deep-seated belief now that, no matter what happens, like, I, I can get through it. I can handle it. It's cool. Like, 
the gym burns down, like whatever happens in my life, I'm going to be all right because mm. I've been on this journey and, and I've continued it. I've continued the same work ethic. It's just becoming somebody who I'm still working on. Of course, I have like days that aren't perfect, but I keep coming back to the same thing about just make sure, get in there, do the work, be ready. Get yeah. in there, do the work, be ready over and over again. And it's just made, it's changed my life, changed how I, th- how I think about everything. Um, cool. When you say your, your dad instilled it with you, yeah. uh, like how, how did he do that? Was there things that he repeated to you or was it like, was he just always a good coach? Because as a father myself and you're a dad as well yep. and you're a, a very proud dad at that, um, is there any lessons there? Like how did he do that and how do you, how are you with your kids and trying to instill that with them? How do you pass the, the torch? Yeah, I'm definitely trying to do that. Uh, I gave my son a strong name. He's called Samson. So I think that's going to help me <laughs> out a little bit. Um, yeah, how did dad do it? So it's difficult to, to, to think about specific situations. I just remember like, I went to school in Parramatta and I remember getting suspended for like fighting and dad would say like, what happened? And he'd say, that's all good. Don't worry about it. I'll handle your mum. I'm <laughs> glad you did that. Um, yep. And so he just sort of, just, and, and same with cricket. He was like, man, you're a good cricket player, but like you're a good talker. Like you can, I see the way you roll your brother up. I see the way you roll your teammates up at training. Like take that on the field. Like, you can be better than all these people if you just fucking play, their, play them and not the game. Like, cricket is about skill. It's a high-level skill game because there's a lot of variables. But um, because of that, if you're not focusing on those variables, then you can really not play as well as you can. So he would often talk to me about how to get into the other opposition's mind and, and picking out certain players that don't handle it very well. And, yeah. and so... He was, you know, he, was a re- he was a decent cricketer as well, but he, he saw that I had potential for that. My brother's a very, very high-level cricketer, um, yeah. my other brother, and he instilled that in both of us, and we are both sort of like that. We will both definitely um, never take a back step on a cricket field, and that just rolled over into life for me. Yeah. Yeah, and so then passing it on to my son, man, it's difficult. He's four, like it's... It's just, oh, he doesn't take a backward step now anyway. Like, he'll, he'll <laughs> tell me how he feels immediately. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> being a dad's tricky. Being a dad is so tricky. Uh, I found it very difficult with Emily, who's 17, my stepdaughter. Um, when I got together with her mum, she was four. And so she went through primary school, high school um, when I was with her mum. Different situation it's with complete, a girl. Yeah, it's different, man. It's, yeah. it's hard to tell a girl. I don't know. I, I still don't know how to handle that. As, yeah, well as, I, yeah. as, I, as well as I want to. I don't know how to arm a girl with the tools to, to go there and handle the, you know, the, the way that um, girls can be with each other. Yeah. Like serious uh, reputation destroying and, and she's gone through some tough times through innuendo and, and rumours and I don't know how to handle all that, man. It's above my, my pay grade. I just, I just try and make her feel good about herself and, and with, with her specifically, she was going through a lot of that stuff, Emily, when she was like 13, 14 and I tried to get her in the gym. And just give us some confidence about you know how to move your body. You're a strong girl. Um, yeah. You have some you know you have some really good qualities about what you do in life. You're really creative. You're an excellent writer. Like just try and big her up as much as I can so that she knows that when she comes home, no matter what's happened at school, like this is my space where I'm safe and this is my space where I know that I'm valued. So Mad. I guess I'm gonna do that with my son as well. I'm not sure. I've got a daughter who's two. I'm not looking forward to her growing up. She's <laughs> she's exactly like a mum, man. She's super stubborn. Very like yeah. Not back when you're coming forward, let's say that. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, cool. What okay. about you? How do you handle that? Like, what do you think about how to instill 
Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't have any set principles or anything like that. But listening to you, you do. Uh, I do, but they're not like on the top of my head. You know, some yeah. people have like you know three things that they always do or whatever. But yeah, like I see your dad. Like it's it's always having that space, encouraging them, and giving them self belief. But like first and foremost, it sounds like he was pretty invested in you, mm-hmm. and I was being there for those conversations. So I think one big thing is being present. Yeah. Um, and especially with schools and stuff like that, um, having our kids being looked after by people for the majority <laughs> of the week and yep. we have like the smaller portion of that. Yeah. Um, it's Yeah, it's valuing the time that you have with them um, when you do have it with them and trying to be invested with what they're doing in that time. Yeah. So they feel like, you know, it's not just the, the two hours at night, but I'm also concerned about all the other stuff they're doing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I try to really be uh, as... As like I, I treat them like kids, yeah. And you know you got to be the boss. I'm I don't know. I'm somewhere in between boss and friend, yeah, for sure. But I try to be as as real as possible, and I, I don't wrap anything in cotton wool, yeah. Um, and I save that for you know for for the times that where it's appropriate, you know, at yeah. night and in situations where they need that hug. But otherwise, I, I talk to them just like like an adult, yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm always have that perspective of. Like you said, like real world, and I'm always my perspective is I'm preparing them for the real world. Yeah. So that with that perspective, it's it's easy to call a lot of bullshit on the kid stuff, the way that you know, whether it's work, play, relationships, people treat kids like kids when they're they're way smarter and capable than you actually think they are. So yeah, I agree with that. The other thing that just sort of came to my mind there was a lot of what I'm trying to do, just as we're talking about it, sort of reminding me that. I'm trying as much as possible to not so much tell them what to do, but really show them like yeah. the way I treat their mum in front of them, the way I talk to her, um, the way you know I talk to, to them in front of each other, yeah. the way I talk to Emily, the way I they see me go on training. Totally. Like, I yeah. see them come out to my home gym all the time and they're doing push-ups with me and stuff. Like I think as much as possible, instead of like telling them how they should be, like yeah. you, sh- you need to as much as possible show them. Actually, that is my one principle that I have. It is lead by example. Yeah. That is my one principle. I do have a principle. There you go. It's, yeah. It's I, say, I say that, yeah. I mean, it's you probably don't think about them until the discussion comes yeah. up. But yeah. I ask you a lot of things and you, you do have some very deep-seated thoughts and beliefs around that that guide yeah. your decision-making. It's difficult. Being a parent is the, like, oh, the hardest thing by a mile I've ever done. It's the most scared I've ever been ever mm. when my son was born and you know we stayed in the hospital for two two or three nights i think but then when you put him in the car and you're driving home you're like it's Fuck. Weird. <laughs> like there's no nurses around like what yeah. the f- like the whole this whole person's existence is based off me and my wife making sure we take care of it especially when people stop visiting after a week <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and you are on your own and yeah. you're like fuck so it's um it's tricky yeah that's, it, I, I, that's why when i i was thinking about the family life when you were talking about all the training, you said no matter what, seven days a week, three-hour sessions. I was like, yeah. to think that you did that with like the family, I yeah. can't even imagine. Well, my wife was very supportive, yeah, to bet. be fair to her, which was great. And, you know, you know, truth be told, like in the heat of like the last sort of six, like 12 to six weeks leading into it, I probably wasn't as present as I could have been. But like there was just a different priority for that, for that short period of time. It's definitely not how I would want my life to go all the time. But I did a lot of my training as much as I could like a 4 a.m. when the kids are asleep anyway. Yeah. Um, but sometimes that wasn't possible. If I had to go coach in the morning or whatever, like I'd have to go to the gym and I'd have to get my training in the afternoon or the night. So, yeah, it did, it did take a toll on that. But, yeah, 
I don't know, man. Being a parent, it's like there's so many people out there that talk about how you should parent people and it's just, I think it's so different for everyone. Yeah. I just think a lot of the time you just got to tell, you know, a parent like just do your best like, and I'm here if you need me. That's, that's what I tell my mates if, if they need, like the guys at the gym, we have heaps of dads at the gym and they, you know, sometimes, and you'll know being a gym owner, like it's not always, you don't always talk about squats and deadlifts. Like people talk to you about right. their real life all the time and about how they're feeling and, some dads always, oh, how do you juggle it? And like, oh, this is how I do it, but that's not going to work for you because you work nine to five. And like, so everyone has their own their own situation. So you just got to do best. For sure. Yeah. It's an interesting thing thinking about. Um, you mentioned, you know, uh, something that your your dad instilled in you, and then you guys having the discussion about um, the the principles that guide how you raise the, your kids or decision making that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, you can listen to a lot of people talk about, you, you know, like if you listen to um, celebrities or you listen to high-performing athletes or business people, you'll often hear that, oh, like my, my father always told me or my mother always said. And sometimes you hear those real, like, real awesome things. Like, well, my mother always used to say, you know. Vander Holyfield this week. Yeah, Van, Van, yeah, yeah right. Like, <laughs> my and, mama. And I think back, like, I'm like, fuck, my, my dad never said he never said anything, you know, around <laughs> like, mate, in life, you know, this is going to happen. No. Nah. You know, it was, it was just what you learn kind I of. I reckon they're making it up, mate. Me too. Yeah, like, they're right. They're definitely I, making it up. And I mean, I think it's uh, like, I know it's definitely part of an Aussie dad thing. They don't like from, from our generation, like our dads when we were kids, they didn't say shit. They just didn't say much at all. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you that because your dad's from, from Fiji. Yeah. Does he, uh, or Tonga? We're from a Tongan village. Mix of both. Yeah. Did he, did he have any of that? Did he have like, hey, Polly, like, you know? No, nah, no, nah, I don't think so. No, he didn't. <laughs> Nothing that pops to mind. No, he, d- he didn't have anything like that. He was always encouraging, though, of anything that I did. And one thing that uh, he's passed now, uh, a little while ago, but he, um, one thing that I always remember when I think about skateboarding is he was very old school, you know, Fijian dude. And skateboarding is not a sport, you know, you know, it's a sport of the Western world type yeah. thing. Um, and he's always l- loved me skateboarding. He thought it was amazing. And <laughs> yeah, and I always remember How that. How funny. Yeah, I used to like, you know, catch the bus across and just like, you know, traverse across the suburb with my skateboard and just thrash and get on another bus. He always thought it was amazing. But yeah, he was just always encouraging. But nothing like the plaque, the tattoo that I'd get on my arm or anything like Like, that. Yeah, like when you're in your your 40s and you you dream back to like sitting on the stairs with your dad and he's like, son. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Those conversations don't happen, I don't think. And and my dad, like I said, he he did that, but he did that through little conversations about specific events. He didn't say, listen here, mate. Yeah, yeah. You're never going to take a backward step in life. It was more like I was getting bullied at school. Fucking don't cop that shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, On the cricket field, don't do this. Like, And just it's when you hear that message over and over again in different situations, you go, oh, I think that's what he's trying to tell me. Like, he's trying to say, never back down. Like, always believe in yourself. Back yourself. You know, don't let people walk all over you. That sort of, of an attitude. That's what I, like, I got from it. Yes, but he didn't say right. that in terms of like a... No. Let de- like, get your note back, that notebook out. I'm going to fucking lay <laughs> this some This is the down. one, mate. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like the whole lead by example. It's those little interactions they have with you. How, how you respond to what your kids do is so important. Yeah. On every little situation. So you've got to be careful about contradicting yourself... On how you react to things, you can't just 
you know, yeah. you know, especially when it's they're hard. That's hard and it? stuff like that. Yeah, it's hard to do to be consistent all the time with them. Yeah. Um, yeah but I sure. think that's why that's why ultimately the person you are comes out in your kids. That's right. Because no matter how much you try and fake it, yeah. you'll always revert back to the who you really are, and I'll yeah. see that. I think someone said like, oh, I can't remember how it was. I'll butcher it, but it's like, you know, kids do they do more of what you do rather than what you say type yeah. thing. You know. Yeah. I, I agree 100%. And it, I mean, it's, it's funny you say that we should, like, the, the people don't actually sit down and say, hey, like, listen up, I'm about to bang some shit on you, like, life lessons. With my brother passing, I'm actually going to start, I have, I have started making some notes. I'm putting together, like, something for my, my son and my daughter. Because I just thought, I don't know, it's just something to think about. It's just, if, I, if something happened to me, like, nothing of me gets passed on. Mm-hmm. Mm. Only through what other people say about me, nothing from me. Yeah, right. Because um, they're too young to remember at the moment. Yes. So it's important, I don't know why, but it's just important to me that I write down some of the things that I value in life, some of the things that I would tell them as they get older. Mm. Um, so I'm going to do that. So maybe, that's cool. Maybe that's something you can think about. I, don't know, I just thought if I get hit by a car on the way home, like... How does it get passed on? Yeah, it just hopefully, yeah. But uh, yeah, hopefully my wife does me justice. But <laughs> I mean, this type of thing... The, the Never Rest Challenge is a, is yeah. would be a big legacy already. Like Correct. You, said, you sacrificed that time while you were training for yeah. it so for a bigger ex- example for them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's a, that's a cool idea. Something, something to think about. Do you, feel, do you ever feel like um, the... Because, you know, looking at... Like thinking about the fact that those, those specific memorable conversations weren't had. It was more of a, a, a value that you picked up from them mm-hmm. in the general kind of, you know time spent living together and whatever uh whereas our generation and us you know not our not our whole generation but us as individuals we're very uh, and and as business owners and all that thing we're very invested in uh our own development so self-development and personal growth mm-hmm. we we see the value in it and so we we go after it and do you think that that is perhaps like a pendulum swinging back the other way where we're like oh we we didn't get like you know, like my dad never went to a fucking like a course on how to become a, you know, create a better mindset or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah. so do you think that our efforts in those areas are perhaps a response to that, and that we look at those things and think, you know what, I really want to, I want to have those conversations with my kids. I want to pass those things on because, because maybe it wasn't passed on as directly to you, and you now see the value in it. That's a great point. I, I really think that's that's a really good point. The thing is when. What makes me think about that is when you say that you hear people say, celebrities and whoever say, oh, my dad told me this, I feel like maybe you crave that a little bit. Like, oh, my dad didn't tell me that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can't remember. you feel like, like you lost out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe you should, it would have been nice for him to tell me that. And so maybe the knee-jerk reaction to that is, is trying to find that for yourself and then my willingness or your willingness, whoever it is, to pass it on to their kids. I definitely feel like... As much as it will be about actions, there will definitely be a time when my kids get a bit older and they can comprehend things a little bit more that I will try and teach them things that I've learnt uh, that I think is valuable for them to learn or put them on the path for them to learn that lesson themselves. One of the biggest ones for me is I've done... Oh, there's been heaps of things that I haven't done because I've like been scared to do it like or oh, too far out of my comfort zone that when I look back might have been a really good opportunity. And so as much as possible with my kids, I'm going to get them out of their comfort zone, get them used to doing things that they don't necessarily want to do, but that, that could be a really cool thing for them to do. Because I know personally that's held me back a lot over my you know, 18 years of being an adult. So that's, that's a big one. But 
Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. I, I think because we didn't get that, we sort of craved that a little bit. Do you um do you have any kind of I'm I'm thinking that you know for people listening to this, they're going to be in awe of you know what you've completed recently and and your kind of mindset to this just hard work and consistency and and even the discussion around the the flicking of a switch and even with all of that people are still going to be like ah oh, yeah but that's him he's obviously an exceptional guy mm. um, definitely not. <laughs> Yeah, and I can say you, you're just you're a guy, right? You're just a dude. Yeah. Like I, I remember when I first met you, and I remember when the first time we did the at that business course, and you're a different you're a different person now to what you were then. Okay. In what uh, way do you think? Uh, I well, I think that was a different in, that was a, a specific environment because there was a lot of stuff around reflection on your business and where you're at and those sorts of things. But I remember you were I found you to be a really dark individual. I was like, man, that guy's dark. Like you you seemed. You seemed really negative that day. Yeah. Or for those, actually, the first day I remember you were you were ex- like much more so. The second day you had changed a little bit, but then I remember when I saw you some months later, you were different again. I'm like, holy shit, man! Like this guy, there's a whole side to this guy that I I would never have picked up on that first meeting. Yep. Um, and then if I think about having followed your journey, just your training journey and your business growth and all those things over the years, and then now speaking with you here. It's obviously it's it's like it's vastly different. Yeah. Um, from my uh, perspective. Um. So I, I guess what I what I wanted to ask at the end of all that is, what can what advice can you give to people who are people who are thinking, well, he's exceptional, but maybe I could take some steps in this direction. Yeah. Um, what could they do in their everyday life or or in how they approach their training? So. I mean, what you're describing is, is how I felt. I was at that point, it was probably a couple of years ago, I just know that I wasn't the person that I wanted to be and that now I am living the life that I want to live and I'm still on that journey, but I'm on the path now, whereas back then I was like way off the path of where I wanted to be. And so I think what it took with that Spartan race, it took, it took the, uh, the flick of the switch, but, but all that was doing was like, me reminding myself that I want to get back on the path, reminding myself, this is the person mm-hmm. who I want to be. This is the path that I want to be on. And so get fucking back on the path. And so I think if anyone's out there feeling a bit lost or feeling like they're not where they want to be, for me personally, it, it, I already knew who I wanted to be. Like it was deep, deep-seated. Like I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to be someone who set an example. I wanted to be someone who people would see as would have a really good work ethic, who wouldn't take a backward step, who was tough, who was strong, who was hard, all these things for whatever reason are the things that I value and that I wanted to be. And so I think they need to just try and get in, in touch with like, what are the things that are important to you and, and are you, is your life aligned with those things at the moment? Like I, 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 I stood for all those things or I wanted to, but I would like wuss out in workouts or I'd skip days off or I'd sleep in or I would cut rep short or I would like um, not make the phone call that I should because I'm not sure that I want to talk to that person today or whatever like I would just do all the things that were easy and were so far away from the person I really wanted to be and so I think it's just important to to firstly you need to recognize like where do you want to be and, and like you've got to get on that path and it is it is tricky to, to, to articulate for each person like how to do that for me, it was easy. For me, it was like, this is the person I want to be. This is how I uh, do it. Bang, get started. Uh, I, I think the under, underlying 
message to all of that though is that no matter what it is, like it's going to take you having a work ethic, having resilience, having perseverance, understanding that it's not always going to go to plan and being okay with that, but not giving up like just because it didn't go the way you wanted to. It's so, it, it's so sad to me when I see people like give up after things don't go the way they wanted to the first time. Like I fucking think that's crazy. It's just, it's so like the classic example and people use it all the time, but it's so true is like when you see a toddler, they fall over like 50 million times before they ever fucking walk, but they don't just give up. Like they just get up and try and walk again. They fall over, they get up and eventually one day it fucking sticks and they're walking for the rest of their life. And that's a, that's like a, a metaphor I think for everything. Like if you want to walk or if you want to do whatever the thing is that you want to do, you've just got to, you've got to be willing to fail. You've got to be willing to persevere. You've got to be just on the path to where you want to be all the time and everything you do needs to align with that and so that's been the change that you've seen over the last couple of years is that my life is starting to align with where I want it to go and which is why I'm I'm still on the path but that's why things are a bit different for me at the moment yeah it's it's interesting because like uh um I think like for kids, for, for younger people say school and 20s and stuff like that and living in the modern age I think like failure or, you know, they've got so many options. Yeah, so that often with so many options and so much stimulus, they're not sure where they want to be. Mm -hmm. And I kind of identified when you said, you know, you found out, you know, where you wanted to be and then you got to get on the path. And I think like finding out where you want to be is number one, like really difficult for a lot of younger people. Yep. Um, to try and listen to the, you said deep set and you kind of, put your hand on your belly. Yeah. So I think it's very noisy for, for people to actually figure that out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree First with that. First and foremost. I think, but still, that's that, that, I agree with that. I, I see that all the time. But no matter where you want to be, it's, you're going to have to have yeah, a work yeah, ethic. You're going right. to have to yeah. have consistency. You're going to yeah. have to have resilience. And you can, uh, we're, we're talking about the gym here. So we're at the gym. So you can do that in the gym just by showing up on the days you meant to, putting in effort on the times you meant to. Train that. Yeah, you can train that all the time mm. and that can be relatable to any career, to, yeah, to yeah. any any business you want to enter at any point in your life. So true. Yeah, so that's what I would do. Start fucking working hard. I like it. It's <laughs> a strong <laughs> message, man. That's it. Man, I think that's a that's an epic place for us to wrap it up. Cool. Um, do you, uh, you've obviously got the, the event or future events coming up. Um, She's not locked in. I want to lock. Yeah. I want to say that. It's not yeah. locked in. You said it was in a cooler, yeah, and you're yeah. in a singlet. Yeah. And there's fans blowing on you. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there a? Uh, where can people follow you? And where can they? Where can they contribute to the cause? Or like, can you give a bit of a plug to your avenues? Yep. So the Never Rest Challenge. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Um, there's links there to donate if you want to. All the money goes towards like 100 percent of the money goes towards finding a cure. For cystic fibrosis, the Instagram handle is neverest, one word, N-E-V-E-R-R-E-S-T, underscore 2019. And the Facebook page is just neverest, one word. Uh, it's the only one, you'll be able to find it. And yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Sean Clarence. Uh, Instagram, Sean Clarence, one word. Sean is spelled S-E-A-N, Clarence underscore. That's me. Nice. We're gonna put, we'll put a link to all that stuff in our post. Um, man. It's been uh, it's been really inspiring having you having you come in and chat today. Thank it's you, guys. I appreciate absolutely. being here. This has been fun. This microphone is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's cool, bro. Thank you. Uh, thank you for making the time. And um, obviously, like 
you know, sorry, like it's, it's awful to hear about your brother passing and all those things, but it's amazing to see what, what you've been able to do with uh, a really, you know, like a really heavy situation, how you've been able to, to change that into something that is a, a, a force for good. I think, yeah, well, everyone's going to face it. You know, this is the, the reality of life. So, you know, it's, it's, it's important to me that like I took that time to grieve about it, but then I've got to make something good out of it. Otherwise, it's just been just another shitty thing to happen in life. So I think everyone has the opportunity to do that when, they, when they're faced with, uh, with something bad happening. Yeah. Nice. Thank you, bro. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening, fam. That was, uh, that was Sean Clarence. That was episode 41. Um, fuck, that was a, that was a killer episode. Um, if you found that inspiring, please share it with someone. Pass it on to them to say, hey, listen to this because Sean's message can go a long way just for helping other people deal with tough situations. A um, couple of pieces. If you need us, you can get us at junglebrothers.com. Um, we got to thank our boy Tree down at Panavore for providing the coffee we we're drinking today. Uh, we have our next coaches internship coming up next year at, in early March. There's a couple of spaces left if you're keen and you want to take your coaching game up a few notches, get in touch. Uh, we also have our mezzanine being built and our full-time jiu-jitsu program will be starting soon. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, please, uh, please share the thing and uh, be well. Catch you next time.